So the, the cornbread, the taters, and if you were here last week and you heard Ronnie describe me, I'm going to say I'm going to bring the spice today, okay? Um, is Ronnie here? Because I do have a bone to pick with him. He is not here. Y'all, he called me mean last week, like I was a mean girl. And I got a couple texts from people, some of y'all that know me really well, and I'm not a mean girl. I am what they call appropriately um, assertive, okay? <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so, yeah, so I'm back. It's been a couple months. Um, I kind of had to giggle this morning as I thought about how I keep up ending up in this spot. Um, Garrett sent out an email a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I got so excited when I saw his email. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What's Garrett trying to just, like, loop me in on, right? Like, I was being nosy. I just wanted to know what he wanted. And so I opened up the email, right? Were you the same way, Sarah? I opened up the email. Yeah, I was just being nosy. And I'm scrolling through, and he's telling us about, um, you know, our, our sermon series. And it is still not registered in my brain that I'm included on this email because he's going to want me to, like, share some thoughts with you. So I'm scrolling through, I'm scrolling through, and I see unity and the peace of Christ. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love that. I love both of those things. That's cool. And I see Tanya underneath it. Still in my mind, I'm like, who's this other Tanya? That's great. I can't wait to meet her. Because, again, I'm just being nosy. I just want to be in the know. So I don't think he's actually asking me to do anything. And then there's all these reply alls that start to happen, right? I think Ronnie was the first one. He's like, yes, we'd love to do it. You know how Ronnie is, right? And then somebody else chimes in, and I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Like, is he talking about me? So that is how I ended up here today. So I say all of that to forewarn you that if you see an email come through from Garrett, maybe just don't open it. I don't know. Um, so, in all seriousness, we are going to be talking about two of my favorite things, and that is unity and the peace that comes from Christ. So excited about that. Um, I loved everything that the praise team did this morning. Mark, thank you for your words today. And Danny, again, always wonderful to hear from you. Um, I want to start, if we can put the scripture up that we are going to be referencing today, Y'all can follow along with me. It is from Ephesians. We are now in 2.11, and we're going to read all the way to 22. Perfect. So it says, therefore, remember that formerly you, who are all Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at a time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants and the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, who are once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, 
but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So I want to start today by just talking in a general sense of kind of what peace means and what that's all about. And as I was doing some research preparing for this week, there were kind of like two definitions, like really two themes that really rose to the top. The first is a definition that's more about freedom from disturbance. You'll often see like tranquility used as a descriptor. And the other was more time bound like it's a state or period in which there's no war or a time when a war has actually ended. And when you start to go looking at like the definitions of peace, for some reason, maybe it's just the way the Google works, but it also took me to like the UN's website. And apparently there are groups of people within the UN that study peace treaties. And so they have documented and said that since the history of our time, there have been over 8,000 different peace treaties signed. That kind of surprised me. I thought I was going to get a little bit more of an ooh and ah from you all, but that's okay. Um, But here's, here's the sat. Thank you. All right, Sunday small group Bible study. I see you coming through. Um, What's crazy and yet still believable, is almost all of them have been broken, right? So it kind of poses this question, why is peace so difficult for us to maintain, right? Like, we see Jesus speak on this topic in Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called, this is interactive time, what what does he call them? Children of God, A plus back here in this corner. And in Romans 12, 18, scripture says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So ask yourself in your day-to-day, how easy is it for you to maintain peace? I'm talking about peace in your homes, peace in your workplace, even right here in the church building, right? Is peacemaker a word that people would actually use to describe you? So for my college students sitting right over here, I know many of you, this will be your first time that you are living with people that you are not related to. They don't have to like you 100% of the time, right? So I ask, are you that roommate that kind of likes to stir the pot when there's conflict? Are you popping popcorn watching all this chaos take place? Or are you the person that steps up and says, hey, guys, why don't we figure out a godly way to solve this conflict and problem? So husbands and wives, you're not off the hook with me either, right? Like, are you creating homes where when people, your children, your guests, your company, whomever it might be, when they enter into your home, is your home a place of peace? And if not, why? Why isn't it? Right? And for my young adults that are out there, I'm going to put my Auntie Tanya hat on. And this might be why Ronnie calls me mean, but I'm going to be real for a minute here. (laughs) Some of y'all are making very grown adult choices. 
and those choices are disturbing the peace of your family members, right? You got grannies praying for you. You have neighbors and friends praying for you. Just be mindful that the decisions and the choices that you are making now in your 20s, early 30s, whatever that may look like for you, they have consequences that your entire family will feel. Can I get an amen? Somebody know what I'm talking about? Okay, great. Now, a few months ago, our small group on Sunday studied Ephesians. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about this topic. Like, why is it so hard for us to maintain peace? Especially when tension and conflict, I think we can agree, like, that's pretty easy, right? And so we had a great discussion. And there were some that shared perspectives. Well, yeah, we're having problems maintaining peace because it's just easier for us to have a worldly perspective versus a godly one. There were some that said, you know what, sometimes it's just easier to react to my emotion than to actually problem solve. And then there were some people that said, you know what, Tanya, it is really hard to practice humility and at times just admit you're wrong. I would rather have conflict in those moments than throw up the white flag. And I think these are all really great examples that we can all relate to. But I think they ultimately ladder up to the ultimate answer as to why peace is so difficult for us to maintain. And that's because we are sinful people. I'm not up here. You heard Danny say it too. None of us are up here because we're amazing individuals. If you all knew me in my 20s, I was a hot mess. And then some. But it is by the grace of God, he brought me Mandy. He brought me John and Marianne. He brought me people that studied and shared the truth with me. Thank you. For real, let's praise God about that. Um, And so when I think about peace, you know, I see peace being about unity, and I also see it about transformation. And conflict and violence and all this stuff that we're living in today, to me, that's all about exclusion. You know, sin has been separating us from God since Adam and Eve were in the garden. And as Ronnie so eloquently mentioned last week, We have this self-serving narrative that we're telling ourselves over and over again. And that self-serving narrative, it is destroying us. And it is separating us from having that true peace. So I want to sit now with just this idea of peace being about unity and transformation for a moment as it relates to what Paul said in Scripture. You see, through God's love, mercy, and his overflowing grace... He saved and he forgave the Jews of their sins. And he joined their lives to Jesus' resurrection and brought the Jews back to life, but is spiritually new, meaning that they now had access to God's new family. And that new family was also going to include the Gentiles. And if you're not very familiar with that, that basically means just the nations and the people groups that weren't Jewish. So basically, if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. But we see from Scripture that these Gentiles, they were separate from Christ. They were worshiping their own idols and gods, no different than sometimes we find ourselves doing today. They were excluded from citizenship, simply meaning that they weren't a part of God's original kingdom. 
and they weren't a part of his covenants, right? His original covenant was made with the people of Israel. You know, and then Paul says something that I hope tears your heart apart like it does mine. He says they were without hope and without God in this world. And if you have spent any time in ministry, you understand just how sad that is to know that there are people that you will come across in this world day to day that don't have the hope that we have, right? So kind of imagine being one of these Jews, right? And you're hearing Paul preach, and he had been preaching for several years up to that point that it was going to be Jews and Gentiles in this new kingdom with God. Can you imagine how confused these individuals must have been, right? Like, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you hear something so, like, outlandish that you have to do a double take? Like, what are you talking about? That's kind of how I picture these people, because remember, from the time that they were, as we like to say, knee-high to a cricket, they had been hearing that they were God's chosen people. And now they were about to have to share that with the people that weren't like them. That's a lot to have to take in, right? The Jews often considered the Gentiles to be what they called unclean. If you've read any of scripture, you'll see that the Jews definitely had, and I'll call it a disdain for the Gentiles, right? There were often times that they treated them like they were lepers. They didn't think very highly of them. Um, one account that I read said a lot of times they would use the word dog in reference to a Gentile. Um, and that's quite the insult then, as you can imagine it would be today if somebody called you a dog. You see, for the Jews, in, area, in every area of life for them, like the daily activities of their living, so that could be like major feasts to the holidays and the holy days, the nation of Israel ordered their lives according to the law of commandments, right? Their entire way of life and operation as a nation was very different from any other nation on this earth. But I'll say with all of that, I would actually argue that the Jews didn't know true peace either, right? They are having to follow all the laws, all the rules, and that doesn't sound like peace to me. What it sounds like to me is a, a land of people who are very anxious, right? And they're anxious because they have to keep up with the washings, the sacrifices, the rules, being in the know. And so for me, I just think to myself, what kind of peace could that have been for his people? Imagine today, if you had to wake up every single morning and go to bed every single night studying the law just to make certain that you hadn't broken any of it. And quite frankly, we all know that they probably were breaking the laws quite constantly. So then that means that they would have to wake up, figure out how do I make myself clean, and do all the things and acts and rituals associated with that. So I ask of our church body today who struggles to get here on time for 10 o'clock service, if it was Saturday and you had to do all of the things, like how many of you all would be here on Sunday morning? Like five? I know Laura Thomas would be here because she would get it right. But do you all see what I'm saying? Like that is not true peace either. 
But both Jew and Gentile had reason to shout, as we do today, thank God for Jesus. You see, Jesus would draw together those who considered themselves too dissimilar to be united. Jesus bridges the gap of separation and destroys this dividing wall of humanity. You know, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you are, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I like to think of that use of rest as, I will give you peace. In Matthew 8.23, we read the account of Jesus calming the storm. Scripture says it was a furious storm and that the waves swept over the boat. First, let me just take a side. We're going to take a detour here for a minute. Um, my birthday's coming up in a few days, right? I'll be 46, and if you were to ask me, what do you want for your birthday? I'm going to tell you, I want some good sleep. I want this <laughs> kind of sleep. Can you imagine you're on a lake, a storm comes above, this boat is a rock and a doing all the things, and Jesus is undisturbed, right? And you have men on board this little boat with him that are fishermen, they know something ain't right, you know? You've been in that situation where all of a sudden you see a storm coming and you're like, this ain't going to be good. That's how I picture these men, right? And they go to wake up Jesus. And what does he say? <laughs> he says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? So let's fast forward to today. Yes, the world around us is messy and chaotic. But guess what? It's always been messy and chaotic, right? Like, we probably should stop being surprised at some of this because we know we live in a sinful world with sinful people. But right now, we also have the ability to experience true peace and confidence and serenity that comes through Jesus Christ. You see, God's workmanship has made peace available to all men, women, and children from simply being in a relationship with God. And that's what Jesus' death and resurrection does and offers for us. Peace is knowing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Peace is going to be made alive in our spirit. And guys, this isn't a peace that disappears on us when life starts to get a little uncomfortable, right? This is the peace that we draw to when life starts to get uncomfortable, when things aren't making sense, we still have that peace within us. So yes, storms of life are going to happen, and they are going to be felt, right? It's going to be really uncomfortable. But I can tell you this, and I promise you this. On the other side of that, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, Jesus is our peace, and he's already told us that he's not going to forsake us. So I want to circle back now to this idea of transformation, being a part of the peace that comes from Christ. And if you have been attending Northeast Church for as long as Danny has been here or as long as Brandon has been here or some of you younger folks in the front row, I'm fairly certain you have heard us say that Jesus is going to meet you where you are, but he's not going to leave you where he found you. Right, You are going to be changed as a result of having a relationship with Jesus. And guess what? You're also going to be changed as having a relationship with us in the church body. 
Like if you walk through those doors and you're not changed, shame on us, right? Because we should be befriending you. We should be getting to know you. We should be holding each other accountable. Um, those are things that are very, very important to the body. You see, the Jews and the Gentiles, from an outwardly perspective, they couldn't have been more different either. You know, as I stand up here and I look around our church family, I praise God that we are all different. I mean, I wouldn't want to be up here talking to a bunch of Tanyas. Like, she's a critic. It would be difficult. Um, but I love the fact that everybody is here. I love the fact that we get to see college students here. I am so hype about that. Like, y'all just don't know. And I love spending time with our more wise and seasoned people in our church body because you know what? They remember me when, and they see me today. And they still love me, they still teach me, and they'll do the same for you all. Because um, we're all part of God's family, right? Jesus united the two, but he also said that we would be transformed. And being a part of God's family is going to call us all to a higher standard. And that standard holds us accountable for being God's ambassadors of peace. Peace here in our church building, in our families, in our homes, but it also calls us to be ambassadors of peace when we're out in these streets. So before we wrap, I want to share just this lovely poem I found. It was written by this woman called Deborah Belka, and it goes, his peace he has given you, his peace he leaves behind, his peace is like nothing else you're ever going to find. His peace is reassuring. It's like a soothing balm. His peace fills you with joy, a sense of perpetual calm. His peace is like an ocean as it ebbs upon the shore. His peace is like a rainbow, promising life evermore. His peace is everlasting. It will never cease or end. His peace is in knowing he is your eternal friend. His peace is like the dew settling on the morning, early morn. His peace is like the soft face of a child newly born. His peace will follow you throughout your entire day. His peace he has given you, he will never take it away. So in closing, as we reflect on this chapter together, so Ronnie started us off in the first part of chapter two, and I'm kind of doing the, the last half of that chapter for you. I can't help but praise God for what he, in his grace, has done for all of us. He has raised us into a new life and seated us before his throne. He's reconciled us, and he's also set us apart. So neither spiritual death or spiritual distance can defeat the grace of God. He's not only saved us individually, but he's made us a part of something collective, this church, this church here, but the greater church that we see in this world. And I pray that you grasp just how tremendous of a privilege that is. So that is all I have for you today. So I am going to close this off in prayer. And I just, you know, would ask that you guys think about this notion of peace and, and peace that comes from Christ throughout this week. It's going to be a continual theme for the balance of the sermons that we hear. Um, but yeah, just let it simmer. Sit on it. How can you be an ambassador of peace out in God's world?
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this gift of peace that truly only comes from you. Help to open our eyes to these opportunities that we have to be peacemakers, to be people that truly look different in this chaotic and messy world. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus' death and his resurrection and that we too are now united and joined in this new family. What an honor it is to come before you humbly, Father, just praising you and thanking you for all that you have done. Lord, we love you, and it is in your name we pray. Amen.